Ravnica Allegiance spoilers, and a $10 million investment. Unearthed Arcana and tips and tricks for new and returning players in a campaign. And Jenga's Unplugged 2018. All this and more on this episode of YSMPG. Welcome to episode 35 of You Shall Not Pass Go. We are your hosts, Dave and Jengis. Oh, there it is. And we're hosted on geekgate.com. What's your geek? Oh, it's so good. <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. That's nice. That's nice having <laughs> having been that monologue. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering. There's not much news. Not in this or in D&D for that matter. I mean, it's the holidays. You know, a lot of people, a lot, a lot of uh, corporates... You know, voices get quiet over the holidays. Everyone's celebrating. Everyone's getting murdered yeah. over the holidays. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, but, you know, everyone's having a good time, spending time with family or whatever, etc. Sure. And so with that, we're going to start off with what we've got. At this point, at, at the point of our podcast, which is currently we're recording at the end of, uh, or at the very the beginning. beginning of January. We're at the beginning of January. <laughs> Actually, yeah, right before this cast comes out. It comes out this Sunday. Uh, so this is, I guess, as close as we can get, really. It's to, true. To brand new news. Um, but we are looking at about 50 or so spoilers right now for the newest set of Magic the Gathering, which is Ravnica Allegiance, the second of the third Ravnica block. <laughs> <laughs> and the second of the third. You like that? I do. And uh, we're looking at pretty much the colors that were left out of the first block. And that, in this case, it's uh, Azorus, which is the white-blue. Um, you have uh, Rakdos, which is the black-red. You have the Simic, which is the blue-green. And you have the Orzhov, which is the white-black. And, of course, the Gruul, which is red-green. My boys. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> of course, all of the Shocklands that didn't make an appearance for those colors in the first set are making an appearance in Ravnica Allegiance. Surprise, surprise. And, of course, the uh, the Lockets, which is the new um, Keystone, which was the new uh, signet. Yes, they're, they're monorocks of the <laughs> yeah, of the cycle. Of the set are are here in each color. Um, but getting down to actual spoilers, we don't have many cards to look I at mean, right now. We have a fair amount of mythics, which I wasn't really expecting this early in the game. Yeah, two of which are already planeswalkers, which are nice, and then a third planeswalker if you count the deck, the crappy planeswalker decks. Um, sometimes, sometimes. Um, but the main thing is the new abilities. The new abilities that um, these different guilds are being given. Mm-hmm. Uh, like The keywords. Yes. The Rakdos ability we're going to start off with is called Spectacle. Spectacle has a casting cost. It's It seems like in general it's usually more mana than the cost of whatever the card is naturally. And what Spectacle says is you may cast this spell for its Spectacle cost rather than the mana cost if an opponent lost life this turn. And you think, well, why would you want to do that if it's usually more? Not always, usually. I'm looking at one that is actually less. Um, but it says here, like, for instance, I'm looking at Rick's Mahdi Reveler. It's a rare. It normally, it's a creature, 2-2. Two, two. It, uh, it's red. It costs one colorless and one red normally. Or its spectacle cost is two colorless, or two of anything, I should say, one black and one red. And it says, when it enters the battlefield, discard a card, then draw a card, but if you paid its spectacle cost, uh, instead you discard your hand and draw three cards. So, obviously, the spectacle cost would normally have have sort of an upgraded ability to it, um, but 
to counter what I said before, we also have an uncommon called Light Up the Stage, which is normally three mana, one red and two generic. Um, but the spectacle is only one. So if someone took damage, you cast it for one. Uh, and its ability is just exile the top two cards of your library until the end of the next turn. You may play those cards. So either dealing damage is going to lower the cost of a card that has a nice ability in its own right or give a card a better ability and possibly up the mana cost. It's true. It's kind of like a weird modified version of kicker or like uh something of that sort it's, you know it's alternate cost we've seen this kind of mechanic before but, right you know it's it's tuned to the to the rakdos you know lore yeah so to speak yeah it reminds uh, me of a it's a combination of uh what was that was the ability bloodlust was that the ability Bloodlust, i believe was uh, was that the ability where the no, bloodthirst bloodthirst yes bloodthirst if somebody like took a and you cast a creature, if someone took damage, they get like plus one, plus ones or something like right. that. Right, and there was like, yeah. Or, no, what was that other thing, though? There was one, I thought there was another ability where it was like, if an opponent took damage this turn, you could like do something. It's some ability, and I don't remember what it was. But it reminds me of that ability and kicker kind of combined, um, is what Spectacle reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what that ability was, though. I feel like it was from... I couldn't tell you. Huh. We might have to cycle back around to it when we get the full spoilers. Sure. Um, um, but anyway, um, how about you tell us about your Gruel Boys and what their new ability well, is? Gruel Boys. We don't, we don't have a ton of Gruel cards compared to the others right now. But what's um, the ability? The ability is Riot. Yeah. And this creature enters the battlefield with your choice of plus one, plus one counter or haste, which is really good. One, it's a plus one, plus one counter, so it's permanent. Right. In, you know, two... It's not, there's no dependency, dependencies, it's just an ETB, enter the battlefield effect. Right. Um, so it can't really be countered, per se, either. either. At least not unlimited. Not unlimited, no. As far as we're aware, uh, so far. Indeed. I mean, make, um, make Void Slime for the eighth time. But also, giving that extra bit of haste is really nice. Um, because, like, you know, a lot of times when you're playing an aggressive deck, haste is, you want to haste from something. Yeah. Usually you have to get it from a, a secondary source. But this time it provides its own haste, and that'll be really nice. Uh, you know, the cards we are currently looking at, one is a rare, uh, where it's a 3-3 three, three trample. Uh, for three. For three, which is really good, especially since on your turn uh, it gets you and it gets hexproof. That's Gruel Spellbreaker, um, which is an amazing card. It's not even a legendary. No. <laughs> um, and rare, too. Yeah. And then we have Frenzied Arnix uh, with Riot. It's a... Uh, uh, two co- uh, two untyped, one red, one green, and <clears throat> it's a three three with trample and like a fire breathing esque ability. Uh, four color, uh, four untyped, one red, one green. A very expensive fire breathing. It's true. It's because it's a common. Indeed, it yeah. gets plus three plus zero until end of turn. Uh, if you've got the extra mana to spend, it's it's still beefy. So it's, you know it might survive if you have the rights. If you especially if you go with the plus one plus one, right. make it a four four. And then kind of hold off, and then maybe you'll get some extra mana one way or another. You can make, you know, a pretty beefy uh, 7 4, you know, uh, trample. That's right. hefty. Uh, I mean, this looks like, I think you mentioned it before, but these look, this looks like a great ability in limited. Yeah. Like huh? huge. Huge. Yeah. It's I mean, great. the ability to have haste immediately, or, I mean, even, even that common, which you wouldn't be played in most regular decks in limited, to have a forecast that's either going to be a 3 3 hasted trample or a 4 4 with just trample is great. Great. It's a great card. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that's pretty much the Gruel Boys. 
And then uh, we've got the Orzhov, who, with their, you know, death and ghostiness, are going with a new ability called Afterlife, which is, uh, it's, it has a number after it, like Afterlife 1, for instance. I'm looking at the Imperious Ogliarch, uh, which is a Vigilance 2-1 human cleric. Oligarch. Thank you, Oligarch. Thank you. What did I say? Ogliarch? Yeah. Yep. Olig- I can't even say it. It's okay. It's a hard word to say. It is. Say it again. Oligarch. Oligarch, yeah. Uh, two one cleric with vigilance in afterlife one. Afterlife one reads, when this creature dies, create a one one white and black spirit creature token with flying. So those little one one white spirits with flying are making a return and are going to be prominent on these cards that have the afterlife ability. Uh, then we got the... Do we have the Simic ability released? The Simic ability Adapt is back. Yes, Adapt. Um, And then after Simic, last but not least, we have the Azorius, which I believe... Actually, was Adapt in a previous set? I don't think it was. I think you're thinking of something else. I think you have Evolve. Yes, read Adapt. It's similar to Evolve, though. Yeah. Kind of. Go ahead and read it. Um, So I'm looking at Zagana, Utopian Speaker. So Zagana's back. I believe she was a card from before, too. I feel like an hour just making things up. Okay. Um, But anyways, um, so it's a two... uh, Yep, I'm right. Prime Speaker Zagana. Um, Two two untyped, one green, one blue. um, Legendary Merfolk Wizard. Uh, when it, uh, when it is battlefield, if you control another creature uh, with a plus one plus one counter on it, draw a card, and then its ability is adapt four with for four colorless, one green, one blue, no tap. Uh, if this card has no plus one plus one counters on it, put four plus one plus one counters on it, and then each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it has trample. So you know it's very very commander. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but um, I mean, also good for a Merfolk tribal deck. Yeah, and um, of course, very, very actually, no. It's, it's kinda, very it's, it's agnostic to a Merfolk tribal. It's it's very, very, it's very simic. It's very simic. Um, probably the most interesting ability is actually the Azorus ability. Uh, I'm looking at a card here called Sphinx's Insight, which is two generic, one white and one blue. It's an instant. Says draw two cards. The ability is Addendum. Very Azorus of them. All about their contracts and their laws and. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, if you cast this spell during your main phase, you gain two life. The reason why I find this card to be, or this ability to be the most interesting is because there's another one here. Let me, before I say what I'm going to say, there's one here called Emergency Powers. It's a mythic instant. It's five generic, one white, one blue. Each player shuffles their hand and graveyard into the library, then draws seven cards, then exile Emergency Powers. Addendum, if you cast the spell during your main phase, you may put a permanent card with a converted mana cost of seven or less from your hand onto the battlefield. Um, huge. That's awesome. Uh, why I find this particular ability the most interesting is because of, I just feel like it can, I mean, I might be wrong. Addendum might always involve the main phase because we, we've seen two cards and that seems to be the pattern. Um, but even, even so, it just seems the most random. Like spectacle, we always know is going to be an alternate cost, and it's going to get like an ability of some kind. Mm-hmm. Riot, riot doesn't change. Riot is literally it's just static. It's static. You get a plus one, plus one counter <clears throat> or haste. That's it. Yep. Uh, adapt and afterlife. Those abilities don't change. Just the amount of power that they have change. Like afterlife one is one creature. Afterlife four would be four creatures. Adapt one would be. The one of the counters and adapt four, as we said before, was four plus one plus one counters. But addendum is like, they can put anything in that box. Yeah. 
Yeah, it could be anything. It's just it's just card it, as long as you play this card during your main phase. And and we assume that's the pattern. But that doesn't even have to be that. It could be something like if you play this card during your second main phase. It could be if it could just be I mean, a we could look it up. I mean, I'm sure we could, but where's the fun in that? Let us dream, Jengus. Um anything could be in that box. Could even be a, a boat. boat. <laughs> you, know, you always wanted a boat. Um so there's some other nice cards here, which we'll get to probably some other time, like Mortify is back. Yeah, well, we get um, the absorb. Um, but really, the last thing I kind of want to touch upon for now are the two Planeswalkers that ha- are, are definitely making an appearance, and then the one that might be making an appearance. Um, the first is Dovin is back, and he is Dovin... In pog form. Yeah. Dovin Grand Arbiter, which um, just makes me wonder, was the original Grand Arbiter card always Dovin Bon, or is he just now the Grand Arbiter? I think he's now the Grand Arbiter. Yeah. Uh, so... I'm not a big fan of this. The last time we saw Dovin was on Kaladesh, wasn't it? Dovin Ban, yeah. Um, The weird thing about Dovin is... Okay, so he costs one generic, one white, one blue. He's cheap and comes in with three loyalty. Plus one's not bad. Until end of turn, when a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you put a loyalty counter on on Dovin Ban. So I don't know what the... I don't know what the oracle text of that is going to be. I don't know what what the fine rules of that is. Because is it... Is it an instance of damage per creature, or is it an instance of when damage is dealt? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, if I swing with five creatures and each one deals damage, does he get five loyalty? Or is it just because my creatures dealt damage in that instance of dealing damage, I get one loyalty for that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's a... It's definitely like a... It's kind of strange. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably... I just need a, somebody to rules lawyer it for me. Yeah, the last Grand Arbiter that we know of was August in the 4th. That was his name, yeah. Uh, minus one is create a 1-1 colorless Thopter artifact creature with flying and again, gain one life, so standard Dovin shenanigans. His ultimate ability, though, I guess if it's... Here's here's my thoughts, but I'll, I'll say what it is and then we'll get to that. Uh, it's minus seven, which is hefty for only coming with three loyalty. And it says, look at the top ten cards of your library put three of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So you're just sifting through 10 cards and taking three and putting them in your hand. You're not casting them. You're not getting to cast them for free or having a chance to do something outside of what you would normally do with them. And it's not a full tutor. You're not tutoring your deck. You're just 10 cards. 10 cards is pretty heavy though. It is. It's for, we play it, EDH. I, so a hundred cards. I is, know it's still a sixth of a deck in, in a standard format. Yeah. Fine. I get that. But for seven, that's the ultimate. Here's my thoughts. My thoughts are, if the plus one ability works in the first way, where it's per instance of creature. So if I have five oh, creatures. per instance of creature? So you think it's, if I swing with five creatures and you they all do damage. five loyalty. Then I'm fine with the minus seven. Because that means he's going to be overstacked I mean, with loyalty. definitely looks like how he's supposed to be played. Right. Well, that's and, what and, I would in, assume. In like in a, it's a, just a minorly weak. aggressive white blue deck it just seems weird to me because only because of the wording whenever a creature because it says whenever a creature you control deals damage to a player so that's combat damage combat damage to a player um it's just weird to me because like i don't know i just feel like someone's like oh they all deal damage at the same time but i guess it doesn't matter they don't yeah because no they do i guess it just doesn't matter because it's still per creature yeah well, I guess then that ability is okay if you're going to be fully stacked. But, I mean, are you really swinging combat damage in blue-white? Yeah. As much as the others? 
maybe not as much as the others, but I think that Wizards has, um, I mean, I can't say this as a fact, but my, my, from what I've seen of various sets in the past, they want, they like to lean blue towards a, a little bit of aggro. Just a wee bit of aggro. I just, I don't know. It just seems to, I don't know. Something, there, there, there have been many, something about this card yeah. just isn't hitting me right. Like, Merfolk is aggro more than it is. Yes, I agree. Um, more than control. It's yeah. got the element of control, but I agree. But that's the green. Yeah. Um, but he, the fact that he makes Thopters makes me, leads me to believe that maybe we'll see more blue-white kind of like artifice creatures, maybe. Oh, I'm so tired of it. I know. Oh. I know. But I mean... <laughs> Yeah, and then the other Planeswalker is uh, Kaya, the Orzhov Usurper. And she is also three, one generic and then Orzhov. Uh, She comes in with three, and her plus one is... I was like, wait a second, isn't she the person who killed... the the king yeah in uh <laughs> she was that she was a planeswalker before yeah she's Ka- kaya ghost assassin yeah she was that cool one that i think i like i thought like wasn't that the one that like only some people got yeah. was that her or was she just had a promo art that only some people got? i think it was the promo art but yeah. she's a uh, she um, was a uh, from uh that one special set um with the kings where you became the monarch or conspiracy conspiracy yeah, yeah. That's um, well, now she's in an official set, and it makes sense. Her plus one is exile two she's target cards. A, she's from a very single... flavorful character. Oh yeah, um, exile two target cards from a single graveyard. You gain two life if at least one oh my God. creature was exiled this way. Did she kill the ghost council? <laughs> I think so. That's crazy. <laughs> they ruled uh, for like ever. I know, man. <laughs> and then her minus one is exile target non land permanent. With converted mana cost of one or less. And then her minus five is she deals damage to target player equal to the number of cards that player owns in exile. And you gain that much life. I think that's a great Planeswalker. That's a great Planeswalker. You can make a very flavorful deck off of that. Oh, yeah. Um, Especially if you like to play Brawl. Oh, yeah. Um, That's a very good Brawl card. Mm. Mmm. (laughs) Mmm. We may not like it, but there are others that do. <laughs> I can make an EDH deck around her. Yeah, hundred um, percent. But I think that's all we're going to talk about for uh, Ravnica allegiances right now. Yeah, I'm pretty much done with this set um, forever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's let's move on. So now, Magic: The Gathering, uh, specifically Wizard, specifically Hasbro, is trying to. Really, they really want to break into that esports universe, like real bad. Of course they do. I mean, it's a very lucrative. I was talking to someone. Uh, I was talking to my boss mm. uh, during one of our during our co- uh, our company Christmas party. Mm-hmm. He was talking about how like he had a friend who bought like a team, and he, the guy's making tons of money just because because right now the esports arena is the wild wild west. There's, it's not like the NFL. It's not like any, you know, anything other. There's not like other organized sports. There's no governing body. You know, there's mm-hmm. no one making laws. Right. Everyone's kind of like playing on good faith 
and all that jazz. But everyone's also like greasing their pockets because like, oh, we could get all these sponsorships. We could throw in all these things and make a lot more money. Yeah. And that's really what esports is right now. So, of course, you know, Hasbro wants, wants that green. Hasbro wants that green. Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> that's not a joke. We all know it's Hasbro. <laughs> Um, oh man! But uh, but yeah, they announced that they're investing uh, ten million dollars into the prize pool for competitive Magic in 2019. Mm-hmm. Not only tabletop, but digital as well. Uh huh. Um, and they are uh, through, of course, MTG Arena, MTG Arena, and tabletop Magic, not MTGO. <laughs> Shocking, right? No. Come on. Not shocking. That's huge. Not shocking. Okay, maybe like Pikachu meme shock face, but not like actual shocking. No, it is shocking. It doesn't, listen, it doesn't seem shocking to you, maybe. But think about this from the perspective of like Wizards coming out and saying like MTG Arena is like its own thing. It's not going to replace MTGO, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, they're just pretty much being like, we're not supporting this. That's huge. It is huge. But I mean, like, if I was an MT, I, I, if I was an MTGO player, I would be pissed. I, if I was Ethan, if I was Ethan Sachs, <laughs> I would be pissed right now. But I mean, like, I see, I saw the writing on the wall a mile away. So did I. The moment they announced yeah. it, I was like, it's only a matter of time. It is, and they're making moves. But how? Too. That's the thing. See, this is this is the plan. Because the, 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 the issue people had was there's no way to migrate all the money that people have spent in MTGO into MTG Arena. They don't want them. And that's just the thing. I don't think they care. I think what they're just going to do. fresh blood. And what they're going to do is they're just going <laughs> to they're gonna do stuff like this where they're not explicitly denying MTGO. They're just not adding it into the support. And that way more people are going to be like, you know, hey, like. Why aren't you supporting MTGO? Be like, oh, MTGO has plenty of support. Like, you can still do everything you want in MTGO. It's just not part of this thing. You want to be part of this thing, we have to come to MTG Arena. That's true. Um, Going over this quick article, real quick. um, Number one, they're uh, combining MTG Arena and Tabletop Magic to be kind of almost synonymous. Like, they are, to them, in this aspect, one and the same. They're just a means of playing competitive magic. Which MTJO is not, apparently. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so, um, for instance, the second point, the Magic Pro League. Uh, the first year of the Magic Pro League brings together 32 of Magic's top-ranked players from around the world. And uh, with a com- blah, blah, blah. Uh, players will compete in weekly competitive matchups on MTG Arena and Mythic Level Tournaments. Uh, because there's a $1 million Mythic Invitational, um, which will kick off at PAX East, which I will be at. Oh, uh, man! <laughs> um, uh, with a special $1 million MTG Arena Mythic Invitational event, uh, and so on and so forth. They keep going, you know, there's it, Mythic is their term for this. This is their, like... They're, they're calling it, this is our, our Mythic League. These are our Mythic events. Mythic, Mythic. You like Mythics, right? You like so much Mythics in your Mythics? We put Mythics in your Mythics. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, and then they end it to be like, start building your skills and your rep by playing MTG Arena today. Yeah. <laughs> Finger thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love the butt. 
but yeah, man. <laughs> and then to give your competitive collection a kickstart, we're offering a special limited time code for an esports starter kit that ups your competitive game. What is it? Just free packs? What do you get? Uh, I don't know. I'll run the code if I get something uh, cool. It could expire December sixteenth. Oh, well, that's a bummer. Sorry, it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. I'm already so far removed from MTG Arena. I tried logging in and it was just, it was like, it was like going to a standard legal tournament, bringing nothing but like, like a fresh open, unopened pack of magic and being like, I'm going to win today. (laughs) I'm going to show them. You see, I bought these booster packs. They contain these cards. (laughs) These cards will help me win. My grandfather's deck has no pathetic cards. Exodia. (laughs) Oh, um, um, now we're getting off the rails. So, yeah. back on the rails, ka-chunk. Um, so, yeah. Um, Exodia! <laughs> Hasbro's putting on putting in a lot of money. Uh, Hasbro's Wizards is putting a lot of money yeah. into magic because they want it to be big. Um, in other news. In other news. <laughs> you know what they're not supporting as much? Dungeons and Dragons. Are you kidding me? They're supporting a lot of Dungeons I know, and Dragons. Man. I just am not... <laughs> They're supporting it, but not in the same. It's not in you the same. Can't make league. Dungeons and Dragons competitive. But it's not in the same league, man. They're not dumping. I feel like they're they don't dump enough resources into it, in my opinion. D and D Beyond's doing great. I like. I was gonna say. I think they rely on other people to get that going. But I think. But what's I mean, the next? What's the next content? What's the next book? I was gonna br- talk about that uh, a little bit, but oh, I guess we'll address right. that now. I think that a new like barf of announcements is coming soon. Yeah. Based uh, on what you found out at PAX? No, just gut feeling. Mm. Um because of how much there's there's lack of everything right now. Exactly. Yeah. Um I just think that within the next I would say two to three months, uh before March is over, before PAX East is over, mm-hmm. we're gonna have, especially after PAX before PAX East, like I feel like either at PAX East or before they'll do another dump of you like these are all our products for 2019 right. because they have to. They're still a company. They still have to like you know <laughs> they still have to say like we have product for this year. Don't worry, guys. Yeah. Um. Uh. My prediction. Prediction. Here it is. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it first. You shall not pass go. Jagged's prediction. Here we a go. Ravnica module. Oh, I will throw this table. I know, but that's what I think. Ugh. I would throw this table. I <laughs> know. Uh, I'm hoping, hoping, don't think it'll happen, but I'm hoping. Or maybe not Ravnica, but an MTG related module. If I were to guess, honestly, what the next what source book was going to be, Volo's Guide to Spirits Inspectors. I mean, of course, because it's talked about. name dropped in one It's literally name dropped. <laughs> and I was just like, huh, okay. Um, will I be happy with that? Not particularly. I know. I heard your uh, I heard your thoughts, uh, like on the last cast. Yeah, what, what were those thoughts? Uh, you were very fond of Guildmaster's Guide, but then again, you were you had very high hopes for it and were let down immensely. Yeah, and you heard <laughs> you heard those hopes when I told them to you the I first know. time too. I know. And are you? Do you not feel the same? Can you say that Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica is everything you wanted in a I didn't magic have any D&D? expectations. Really? You no. don't think there'd be at least something about Planeswalkers? No. Awful. <laughs> You're awful. <laughs> Maybe. I'm, 
And when it comes to certain things, when it comes to game design, I am very much at times a realist. Um, I, I just don't feel like they're ready yet. There's a lot of they don't want to put a lot of stuff onto paper because then it's Jang real. a bunch of facial expressions that none of you can see <laughs> because then it's real and then it's like something they have to adhere to and they're not ready for that yet. I don't know. I just feel like it was dumb. <laughs> I feel like it was a mistake and it was dumb and it got my hopes up. But that's besides the point. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't get my hopes up. What's that? Sidekicks. <laughs> well, you didn't even know about it until today. That's right. <laughs> and I read it and I was like, this is great. Um. The new Unearthed Arcana is a playtest for how to gain a sidekick, like a lackey. You have someone that's coming along in your adventure with you. You you got a Billy, and Billy wants to be with you and be like your uh, your little sidekick. Well, these are the rules for that. Um, they have their own stats. As soon as they become a sidekick, they gain a class. And the class can level up just like any other. They can go all the way to level 20. You get a level 20 sidekick. <laughs> and <laughs> An adventure in their own right. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> a level 20 sidekick is like a level four, everything else. No, actually, they're surprisingly similar in terms of what they gain as a sidekick. Um, but the classes are more baseline. The three classes that they offer for sidekicks are spellcaster, warrior, and expert, which are just generalized versions of the archetypes of classes that we have in terms of like the, the weapony smashy type, the finessey type and the wizardy type, uh, the smarty type, the smarty type. (laughs) And each one, you know, they've got the stat blocks, they've got these spells known they've got little abilities that they get that aren't like are either similar or slightly different than normal abilities that you would see in the player's handbook um but all in all like i'm actually shocked how powerful a sidekick can become pleasantly so i like it especially for like smaller groups or like a solo mod Mm -hmm. you're in a solo mod and you want to this is like a great way to take not an NPC, because you can always take an NPC with you. But I yeah. mean, this is like a great way to take someone under your... Like, I don't know. It's just different. They I feel more permanent. They're not just like... They're not just a red shirt at that point. They become Sancho Panza to your Don Quixote. Wow, that was a good analogy. <laughs> nice job. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm just sorry that it's playtest material, you know. Um, I'm not sad because there's a lot of great playtest material and, uh, there is, but so much of it doesn't end up in source books. I know I'm still waiting on religious magic to be a thing. It's coming, buddy. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. It's been a while. It's coming. Is it? Zenithar's other guide to everything. Is it? That that had nothing. Zenithar's guide to everything else. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Uh, Speaking of Xanathar. Yeah. You want to just... Okay. Um, Sometimes you got to roll with the, the segues sure. there, Jengis. Not just make them... See, that was perfect. And then you commented on it. What and I, now it's ruined. what I do, buddy. It was, it was, it was, it was ruined. <laughs> it was a perfect segue. Everything um, was great, Brian. <laughs> now so, you ruined it. So, um, me and Dave... Cool <laughs> me and Dave are both, at the current moment... Dave in two groups too. Yes, we've mentioned this before yes. on the podcast. Uh, I'm running Waterdeep Dragon Heist with a group at school full of newbies and a my home group full of returners and experienced players. And I have recently gotten back in the DM game finally. It's about time. And I am DMing for a group of friends, th- uh, both a mix of old and new. Side note: During the last game I ran for the home group, we mentioned 
there was a conversation that went down where we just happened to mention, I think to Crystalline, we mentioned casually that like our characters, our characters being like Alibris, Flip, Harriel, and um, uh, Vidar had never been in a campaign together. Because one oh, of yeah, us is always because one of us is always DMing, yeah. and they had mentioned they were like, "Well, that was that. There was that one time we all played one game with Jengus, and I couldn't remember this game. They were they all see. This is where sometimes where I just think I, my memory is shot. Sometimes I think I have a great memory, and other times I'm like, my long term memory just sometimes sucks. And maybe you can remind it of me because they were talking about it, and I couldn't remember. Is it the World of Warcraft campaign? I, I don't did? think so. It was it was an actual D and D campaign. And from how they mentioned it, there was like you set something up and either I think we like killed according to them, we like killed the boss in like like in like a turn or something. Like we found like what you thought was going to be this big boss monster and Phil like double nat 20 or something. And like you were like, well, it doesn't insta kill him because that's not what happens in my game. But even with just like the damage, it like murdered this thing. And then you got like really like it kind of like it kind of tiffed you a little bit because you'd like put all this work in like what was going to be like this uber boss and we just murked him and he wasn't supposed to get murked and like then we just never had another game i don't remember this it's, at all i mean like it's vaguely remember uh i it's vaguely like it sounds like something that happened like i remember i did like a thing where i created a whole bunch of like a, a league of people who had stolen artifacts i believe I think it was that campaign. I don't remember what it was tied to. I don't know if it was just something I was just running on the fly. Yeah. Um, but I believe it was probably that. If I find it, I mean, like, I have some of my old note, like, composition notebooks. Yeah. I'll look through them. I just, I couldn't remember this. I just couldn't remember it. I, like, they told it, and I was just like, it sounds like something that happened. It was ages ago. Yeah, I will say it this. had this to have like, been. I feel like, like, I'm feeling like it was at Joe's house. Like, yeah. I think that's what they said. Like, yeah, it was, like, yeah, yeah, a yeah, night yeah. at Joe's house. I mean, like, if I or his mom's house, if I, I get like, more confident, I could always try to run something for all y'all again. I mean, I think that was the that was the well. I think the the gist of it was actually Crystal's thing of maybe trying her hand at Ooh, DMing. That'd be fun, um, yeah. So then all of our characters could be in something. Um, Who would I bring? But Tarazos well, Tarazos won't bring him back. Yeah, Sun Soul Tarazos well, or Zoroff. <laughs> That's the thing is you never really play a. S- you sort of play. All my Kurt char- is now your standard. All my characters are just aspects of me. <laughs> They're all the same with different names. Tarazos is actually probably the most unique in terms of your warrior classes. It's true, because he was more of the peaceful monk. He was. Whereas Zoroff and Kurt are just pretty much the yeah. same person. Then I've made another who's also pretty much the same person, but uh, you he, like what you like man I do like what I like so do I I just keep it the same <laughs> I just don't even try to change the formula no, I actually like Garrett Gibbons do you I, I do I like Garrett I like I like I like Garrett not as a character I like seeing you play Garrett because it's an, I enjoy I enjoy the stretch I enjoy I enjoy the and I actually I actually really did like my warlock that I really I only got to play once because I kind of wanted to like f- what game was that that was the one shot we did on the cast Oh, yeah. We should do that again. I should do another. Should another. Probably try to fit it in. Is that in. the one about the regicide? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. It is good. We should do that again. Pat- maybe, maybe next. Well, no, not, not next. Because next, speaking of which, preview. 
YSMPG 36. It's the second <laughs> annual Golden Dengue Awards are coming. Um, but maybe on 37, the first of the new year, maybe if you remind me and I have time to set something up, I can we can we can continue that character. Give it a shot. I'd love to see where you go with that. Because that was a great opener. It was. Um we got off on a tangent. We did. So we're both <laughs> So we're both running water deep. We're both running water deep. And uh we thought it would be a good time not to talk about water deep itself, because we kind of been down that road. More of Jenkinson asked me the other day, just kind of a little bit of tips and tricks for running a game with newer, more inexperienced players, which we're both doing. I've done multiple times. This is Jengis's, I think, first foray with a total group of newbies. Because I think every time I've run, it's been you guys or like returners, people yeah. that know the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he ran some things by me, which we'll talk about now. Um, you can run them by me again, and I'll pretend like I didn't answer them already. <laughs> um, and we'll just kind of, we're just going to kind of discuss about what that's like. I mean. You want to you want to open here talk about sure. uh, something that came so, up in, in vague um, terms. You don't have to call anybody out per se, but you can just yeah in vague terms. Um, so uh, in my group, um, I it's kind of like a sixty. It's six people, right? Um, I would say three of them are experienced players. Three of them are new players mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, the the new players uh, sp- specific, you know. They're having some issues kind of like it might be also partially my DMing style that I'm trying to develop as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to preface with a little a couple of the rules I set forth. Sure. When I started the game. Um, I, uh, number one, I told them alignments are bullshit. I told them don't worry about it. Right. Number two, I told them uh, flaws and uh, uh, bonds. I don't like them. I'm not. I'm not dealing with them. Hmm. Leave them out. Um, I want them to grow their characters more organically hmm. um, over play sessions. Maybe they might be a bit more, uh, a bit more anomalous in the beginning. Not like, not set in stone. But that's fine with me. Hmm. I'd like them to just discover their characters as the game progresses. Sure. Um, I did ask them some questions in hmm. the beginning. Um, I gave them, uh, I gave them four questions. I based it off the SWAT method, sure. strength, weaknesses, outside, uh, outside threat, internal threat. Mm-hmm. Um, the strength is what's your character's greatest strength? Mm-hmm. You know, simple. Right. Uh, that kind of sets that tone. Sure. Um, weakness. What is a time that your character has failed? Mm-hmm. Is you know try to give them a, also helps to develop their backstory a little bit, especially sure. if they don't really have one thought up. Right. Um, outside threat: Who is someone you have wronged before? Mm-hmm. So that gives a little like you know they have a built-in kind of villain or something like that, uh, something I can use as ammunition. Mm-hmm. And then internal threat: What is something you would kill to find out? Mm-hmm. Um, you know what is that one thing that you will literally defy the party to achieve sure um and oh oh <laughs> please remind me don't let me no, i gotta write I, gotta, <laughs> I have a good story about this okay all right go ahead um but uh so some people answered it pretty well some people didn't that's fine but i just wanted to put that in their heads mm-hmm. um so one character is uh, one player is two of them actually having a bit of a hard time kind of adhering to like 
I'm kind of taking this a bit seriously to an extent. Um, not too seriously, but like anachronisms, just I won't acknowledge. There's no Tijuana in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and it's just having a hard time with a lot of improv that I'm not ready for. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, not to give specifics. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> I just really what I said. Specifically not to give specifics? <laughs> um, it made sense in, in my brain. But one instance, um, they were trying to steal something. I didn't think anyone would steal. The MacGuffin. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know how to immediately react to that. Part of me wanted them to do it and kind of, but I didn't know if I was ready to come up with those consequences, you know, uh, I because, mean, because the book doesn't say anything about right. it. Right. But I also know, so using that information, I know the backstory of this. I know the actual situation. And I will say this. You don't need to come up with consequences immediately. You had time. No reason you couldn't let them take it, especially that particular object because we already talked about that that could have had a lot of fun consequences. It's true. Um, in terms of what you're doing specifically with the way in which you're running your water deep, the season in which you've chosen, so forth and so on. Um, but I think that in general, um, D&D is all about rolling with the punches when you're DM. You gotta roll with the punches. In some way, um, in some way, it's almost like you really do. You're more. You're more under their control than they are yours. You know. Yeah. But it's really. It's a. It's a living, breathing thing. You have to be able to work with one another. You can't. You can't bandersnatch them. Mm-hmm. You can't give them the illusion of free choice when they don't really have it. Because as they begin to deconstruct it and realize how limited they are, the game will then lack fun. Yeah. And that's that tends to be a. That tends to be the default thing people want to do to new players. They will go out of their way to sort of give them this grand illusion of, oh, this is an open, wide world full of mystery and wonder. But if, you know, but in reality, if they're not walking down the narrow path you've set, you've set up bumpers everywhere else that's just going to back them back to the path. Um, Under the illusion that they're just, you know, taking another road, but it really just leads back to the road that they're on. Um, And actually, I did do that. That is, (laughs) that is an urge to fight. That is an urge to fight. It was really more of a there matter is, of like... There are circumstances where it can be necessary. And I say that sparingly. But I, I, I highly believe that you need to be willing to just let them... They got to be able to stray from the beaten path. I understand. And realize that like there, that doesn't mean they can't be without consequence. Mm-hmm. And this is something else we talked about. Understanding that the players... like I feel like a lot of players in my games in particular, the one thing I always say, my... Players that have played with me before or even experienced players for the most part tend to already understand this. I don't need to sort of make an example. But the one thing that I feel like new players don't understand are consequences. Because in every game they've ever played, if if they're new to D&D, most other games that they've played in terms of RPGs are usually video games. And in video games, unless you're playing Diablo hardcore mode, there's always another life. There's always a save. Yeah. There's always a restart. There's always a, a plot armor. There's always some way in which you say, my character is going to be fine until I reach the end of this journey. Mm-hmm. And I like letting them know in no uncertain terms that that's not the case in D&D. That D&D is more akin to real life and there are consequences for your actions and some of them can be death. Yeah. 
It can be the end of your character. Yeah. Um, and they have to realize that those stakes will then up the level of their of their play. Yeah. Um, another thing, just uh, what was still on the topic, it's uh, trying to f- because, you know, I wanted them to have story. I wanted them to have something mm-hmm. and then trying to integrate that right now in the early parts of the book. It's a bit kind of for lack of a better term, Final Fantasy 13. Have you ever played it? No, it's very, very one route in the very beginning, but then kind of. But there's then, one there's one given main plot route. That's not to say there's a lot they can but do. But what I'm saying is I know anywhere. that I know that the the latter half of the book kind of you're you're given free reign to do whatever you want and then you'll find your way back to the the climax right. of the story. Mm-hmm. Um I want to incorporate their stories into that bit. Right. Just trying to figure out how to do it. Sure. Is also kind of a challenge to me. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, some people have given me people have given me some pretty good based on the questions I provided and the backstories they've also provided, especially mm-hmm. from like the veterans. Um, I have some I have some leads um, as to what you want to do. Yeah. And I think creating almost like in like a Power Rangers esque form mm. where like everyone's going to get their own chapter so to speak their, their own reader repulsa exactly their own like this is billy's episode where you know billy is having a hard where time with billy the test. is a billy <laughs> you know billy was having a hard time with the test and then he realizes you know it's okay to not get a straight a you it's know it's okay not to get straight a's when the whole set is gay bashing you <laughs> jeez true <laughs> jeez, true <Dave>. story <laughs> True story. Um, Everybody but the actors on the set were horrible to Dave Yost. I I know. I love you, Dave Yost. <laughs> I uh, appreciate you. Big fan. Just the way you are. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, so like you know, I've got time before they get there. Um, but you know, I'm uh, it, it's something that's kind of like on my mind right now. Sure. But I'll, I'll like I said, I'll get there, and we'll see. As kind of a sidetrack for the holidays, I ended up getting a Waterdeep um, DMs screen. It's which, very nice. Um, have you seen the whole thing? You've shown me. I showed you the inside? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember. Um, but yeah, it's got everything you could possibly want on the inside. Pickpocketing things, the broadsheets, inns and places to go, code legal, City scenes, nighttime scenes. I bring this up because this might be great for you. You might want to think about getting this. It's true. And it was cheap on Amazon. It was like 10 bucks, not nice. even, maybe seven. Um, worth it. 100% worth it. Um, uh, if you're running the game. Indeed. Um, I think that pretty much, that's a good, I mean, we could talk all night about. I mean, uh, we could. And my main thing is this. Um, we might even revisit this again because yeah. this, I'm running it weekly. You're running it pretty re- uh you know, you probably zoom ahead a lot more than me. But yeah, I mean, with the returners, you do. Yeah, with new players, it's slower pace. Um, but you know, we will we'll probably broach the subject, and maybe we'll maybe we'll just check in next month. Yeah, that'll be a nice little, uh, or maybe not next month because that's the dengues. But uh, uh <laughs> yeah, the episode dengues. thirty-seven. That'll be a you know we could kind of like see how we're both doing in our relative campaigns. Yeah, and as always, if you as the listener would like to. 
reach out and ask us a question about how to handle a campaign situation, we would love to tell you about it here. I'm going to give you our opinions. And what's our email? It's ysnpgcast at gmail.com. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and moving forward, I guess the only thing left at this point is to talk about PAX Unplugged. PAX Unplugged. The reason I had to not <laughs> have you here last cast. I know. Um, I will say, given this is the second year of PAX Unplugged, um, I can suffice to say it was one of my favorite conven- uh, conventions of the year. Sure. Um, Sorry I didn't get to go with you. It's no worries, man. Next year we'll do it early. Indeed. Indeed. We'll have time. I will, I will let you know. Thank immediately. you. Immediately. Yes. Um, this was uh, last year I quote unquote worked the con mm-hmm. um, doing video content for Geekade. Sure. Uh, this year I was just not up to the task of doing it so much. So I kind of went as more of like a uh, reporter slash for this fan. it's for us for us exactly right. um uh but i still tried to play as much as i could right. um so um the first thing i noticed when i got to the pennsylvania convention center uh, uh philadelphia yeah philadelphia Con- uh, convention center um was that the expo hall was doubled in size wow um previously last year the one of the stages was part of the expo hall. Mm-hmm. Not the case. They had separate stages for everything. Mm-hmm. And it was like huge. Um, I was very much overwhelmed the first day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did my best. I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to just go to the corner. And I'm just going to start from there. <laughs> so I went to the corner. Um, I saw a couple people I knew uh, along the way. They're like, hey, you know, was, you know, I, I saw someone from college who I haven't seen in like almost a decade. Which oh, wow. is crazy. Um, and I played uh, the first game that caught my eye was a game called Eschaton. Um, Eschaton is a, from Archon Games. Um, Brian and Laura helped me, uh, it was me and them. Mm -hmm. Uh, they helped me, uh, you know, go through our first game. It's a deck builder, uh, with a cult, deck builder, uh, territory control game with a cultist theme. Hmm. Um, the, uh, so the way the game works is you're a cultist you're trying to gain the most renown with your evil god uh, before Doomsday hits. Doomsday is one of the event cards in the deck, and it's towards the bottom. Mm. Um, so you don't know when Doomsday will hit, but you know it's towards the bottom of the deck. Uh, you have a deck of cards of, I believe, 10 cards. Um, and you play your minions, essentially. Each minion gives you uh, a stat. Uh, they have four stats. Zeal. Uh, whenever you, for how much zeal you have, you get to play extra cards or, mm-hmm. uh, draw slash play extra cards. Divination, uh, you draw from the divination deck, uh, however many cards you have and you keep one mm. or however many divination you have, you keep one. That's spells, monsters, etc. Um, influence lets you buy more units from the general unit pool, which I showed David a picture of, um, and lastly, aggression, uh, which lets you do this, these actions in order. You can add more pawns to the table. Mm. You can move those pawns, and you can destroy your opponent's pawns. The object of the game is to maintain control of the board. That's it. Um, that's the number one thing. And you do that by having more pawns in an area than the other player. Great game. Um, Archon Games, I believe it is available on their site. Uh, I like it a lot. I recommend it. Sounds uh, great. Looked cool too. Indeed. Uh, next uh, game I played 
was a game called Overlord of Infamy from Obscure Reference Games. Uh, <laughs> it is a worker placement game flavored with being an evil villain. Oh, cool. Uh, you play as one of uh, a number of evil villains. Uh, I played as Waffles, uh, the evil corgi, who had hmm. gained sentience. Um, <laughs> and uh, the way this game works is uh, you exploit your workers, your lackeys, to uh, exploit the land and then finish your individual goals. The plots, as they call them, start out uh, kind of simple, uh, but then more epic plots require more resources. So you kind of have to get a whole bunch. And there's also an object of being a villain where you can, uh, this is a this is one of the, the goals, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty funny. Cool. Uh, if you want to read the title of it. It says, uh, brag about attending a massive gaming convention that others couldn't. <laughs> And you just have a little bit of flavor. And I, I went to Origenspielcon 2017, and all I got was this lousy car. <laughs> yeah, that was their con you. exclusive, which was nice. That's cool. Um, and it's, it's just fun. It's very. Uh, I would say it's very new player friendly, right? Uh, because it's just it a seems matter like it from the just all, the characters alone. All, all you're really doing is you're getting resources. There's a bit more extra actions, like you could spy on your opponent, you could steal from your opponent, um, and there's even a hero that you manipulate uh that you can manipulate to destroy your opponent's schemes. That's cool. Um really good game. Uh Kickstarter at the end of January um and they have an expansion that they're also working on called Misery Loves Company. Hmm. Um really good. I liked it a lot. Awesome. Uh, every game I played I actually really liked. So it's hard to really say like uh also you've probably seen it if you've looked up news uh, Exploding Kittens had an amazing booth. Um, I think if you looked at my Instagram, actually, you don't have an Instagram. Uh, Bevan does. Show me pictures. Yeah. Uh, and also, like, don't, don't they all post to Facebook anyway? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Uh, there's a huge fuzzy booth where they actually had people inside and you manly pressed what you want and they put like little signs. It was really cute. And every time I walked by, I had a great chuckle. Um, they had at the convention, there was a, a Mahjong group. I've mm. always wanted to play Mahjong. Mm. Um, Did you know how to play it before Con? No. Okay. I didn't get a chance to play. Okay. Because they didn't have a demo there. It was actually on the show floor. Uh, but they have a, a meetup um, that I want to shout out. Uh, if you go to meetup.com, it's called Learn Richi, R-I-I-C-H-I, Mahjong, M-A-H-J-O-N-G. And apparently they have meetings all the time in New York. Wow. So, you know, check them out. Uh. I saw a really cool Kickstarter called uh, Invisible Sun. It's a Mm. role-playing system, but everything is included in this box. And they have, but there's secret codes that you can decipher in the book and the box. There's hidden compartments in the box. It's easier to see if I just show you. Like that giant black box. Which all these, oh, by the way, all these images can be found on Jengis' Instagram. It's true. It's true. I have. <laughs> uh, oh, that's my. It'll be my personal Instagram. So it's Sequias. Um, I didn't get a chance to post it. You could um, repost it to Omnigeek. I could. I, I might. I will. <laughs> um, but uh, that was like the way the guy explained it. It was like it, it was just like this crazy thing of like you know uh, magic. There's like different schools of magic, and they're all trying to like achieve this objective. And, but like I said, there's like the, the whole thing was like the mysteries. Like there's like so many 
aspects of it, like little code pieces, and you can decipher the codes. And if you have more information is important in that game. Mm. If you have more information, you can do more things. That's cool. Um, I didn't get the... They have like a reserve your copy now. Look up Invisible Sun. You'll you'll find it. Right. Um, then I played a game called Dinosaur Tea Party. Uh, it's been out for a little bit, but uh, it's the first time I'm playing it. Hmm. It's guess who? Um, oh, Dinosaur Tea Party from Restoration Games. Um, I love Restoration Games. They're doing great things. Uh, restoring. They did uh, Fire. Uh, I believe it's Fireball Island. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they take old games and they like essentially they put a new coat of paint on them mm. and like spruce them up and then they re-release. So this is their Guess Who. This is it's very similar to Guess Who. Multiplayer Guess Who is what it is. Because um, each person has who they are and you have to guess, um, you know, based on like attributes like, oh, are you wearing uh, eyeglasses? Are you wearing a hat? Is the wallpaper behind you purple? And you have to answer yes or no. Right. Um, but the guy who was demoing it said, you have to speak in a British accent, oh. which I indulged in greatly. Of course you uh, do. <laughs> and it was, a, it was a lot of fun, uh, so I recommend that. Um, let's see here. A um, couple other things I saw. Uh, Overlight was a role-playing system based on colors, yeah. um, which I thought was cool. Which uh, if you're colorblind would not do very well. No. Um, but uh, I thought it was a cool concept. Mm. Um, I didn't get a play chance to play. I didn't get a chance to play any RPGs save for one. I'm sure it takes a lot of time, and there's a lot of not just time. that. You could play a lot of pickup RPGs, but the ones that were like run by people, right? Like for instance, um, Fantasy Flight Games has a system called Genesis that I've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, they were running a Genesis. They're run- they're making a new splat book for Genesis based on the Android Netrunner property. Um, and they had a, mo- a module they were running. I tried to get into that module on Saturday and Sunday, and it filled up immediately. There was a line out the door for tabletop sign up each day. Wow. Um, you had to wake up. You had to go there first in order to really sign up for these things. Right. Um, which I just couldn't do because I had stuff that I needed to do. Sure. Um, uh, uh, I met. Um, so I follow a game called uh, a, a live play game from Penny Arcade called Acquisitions Incorporated, the C team. Mm. Um, I got to meet each of the members during the course of the, my PAX experience, which was a personal goal that I fulfilled. And I was really happy about that. Um, Congratulations. You're retired now, Jenkins. I know. <laughs> um, they were all really nice. They all took the time to talk to me and like, just like, you know, they let me geek out and be like, you know, Oh my God, I love this. When you did this part, you know, like that was really, you know, in like, it was, it was a good time. Um, Let's see here. I played Unearth. Uh, that's also a game that's been out for a little bit now, but mm. I, it's the first time I'm playing it. Um, die rolling, point collecting game. Really simple. I think I might actually pick it up. Cool. Um, uh, so maybe we'll actually have a review for that later. Uh, oh my god, I forgot. Like one of the f- the second thing. What you are all missing is the unbridled joy on Jenkins's <laughs> face as he realizes this. The second thing, like after I finished playing that evil mastermind game, I was like wandering the floor a little bit more because I was like, I need a break to just take in the floor. Sure. Um, I was just like looking at this game and then like this this very weird, like stylized nature game, but I honestly don't remember it because who was standing right next to me looking dapper as all hell was Jeremy Crawford. 
um, one of the rule designers for Dungeons and Dragons and the, the current DM for the main team Acquisitions Incorporated game. He was also the keynote speaker for PAX Unplugged. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see the keynote, wow. but he was just there. And I was just like, oh my God, you're him. And he's like, yeah. It's like, uh, he was like really not like, like I said, every person I've met is one of those, Very genuine. one of those dream scenarios where you meet someone you like, you really like Admire. want to meet and yeah. like, they're all the nicest people in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, but talking to Jeremy Crawford, just like, you know, I was like, you know, um, you know, are you excited? Did you tell him about our cast? Uh, nope. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, come on, man. Billy. I get, I get, you have one I get job. starstruck. One job, I know, but Jeremy Crawford is a really nice man. Um, <laughs> one job, uh, a delight. Um, Friday night was the uh, so uh, par- the fans of Acquisitions Incorporated. Some of them are part of something called the Shadow Council, mm-hmm. um, which is like a group of people. They all make content related to like the game because they're all super fans, um, and some of them actually have like an active role playing group. Um, that everyone's a part of, like a whole meta role-playing team based in the same universe, kind of running concurrently to the main storyline. Sure. Um, which is also given like a, uh, it was given, it, they have the blessing of the main crew. Mm-hmm. Um, so like they get all kinds of fun stuff. Um, I, uh, just to show you, like, you know, I got like a, you know, I showed up as Zeref. Uh, you know, I had a Shadow Council name tag. And for going, I got like a little uh, a keychain, and I also got a die, uh, which was really cool. Oh, cool! It's a fun little memory, yeah. uh, memento. Uh, they were all really nice people. It was really nice to meet a lot of people. That was a fun thing about Pax Unplugged going alone is that I did my best to not be shy, awkward, Jengas. I try to be a little bit more like just talking to people. Sure. And like that was really nice personally. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, you know, chatting up people, kind of trying to make friends, you know, uh, that was really good. Uh, da, 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 da. it was really great for Pokemon Go. Um, <laughs> um, I, I played That's Not Lemonade, a game we played very yes, recently. Which we will review on a later uh, cast. Indeed. That was a great game. Um, the, the Penny Arcade Make a Strip was really nice because like, it was just a fun little kind of Q&A-esque thing. Mm. It's really just interesting just to realize just like every we're all humans. Yeah. You know, something you forget sometimes. But like we've all got our human foibles and like it's really nice to just like hear other people be enthusiastic about things or like worried about things, have doubts. It was a really good uh, experience. Um, I met, I went to the uh, reading terminal market. Which is amazing. We'll have to go. They eat so much food, mm. buddy. <laughs> I do love me some food. I had some Peking duck. It was delicious. Awesome. Um, and cookies. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Saturday, um, I had two things I wanted to see. Um, and then I played a whole bunch of games more. Uh, I went to... They had a... Uh, they essentially... D&D Beyond has a random feature. I don't know if you've used it, Mm-mm. but you can randomize a character from scratch. And so what they did was they had um, they had five people, uh, five or six, I don't remember one. It was Jeremy Crawford was there. Uh, Kate Welch, who's part of the C-team, is also on the rules team for uh, Dungeons & Dragons. Mm-hmm. She works at WotC. Um, she actually is 
was in Dragon Heist. It's not there. I forgot you don't have a physical copy. But, uh, oh, she's uh, she's in the credits for Dragon Heist. Uh, oh, cool. She was running it, um, and everyone rolled a random character. So you had, like, uh, a warlock with really low, like, uh, it, Char- charisma. charisma, but really high, like, dexterity. Huh. And, like, it was, like, really fun. Everyone had a great time, and, like, you know, everyone kind of goofed around with role-playing. It was great. Sure. Um, I played Bargain Quest, how was that? Uh, Bargain Quest is a uh, a game where you play as a shopkeeper. Um, wow, yes, I you, remember you told me that. You're That's trying cool. to sell weapons and armor to adventurers who come by, and uh, and you're trying to you know what you put in the window kind of gets the attention of certain adventurers. So like, um, very similar to uh, the boss game we played, boss monster, boss monster. Mm-hmm. It, instead of attracting. Mo- uh, uh, adventurers to your dungeon, you're attracting adventurers to your shop. Right. Um, so you put like a sword in the window and that has like, that'll attract a warrior. But the, the trick is you can't sell what's in the window. That's for display. So you have to sell them based on what you have. So you kind of have to play a little strategy there. It's mm. really good. Um, I actually bought that, but I had to buy, they didn't have physical copies. Right. So I had to buy it on like, they had a, a Kickstarter shop. Um, which is something that Kickstarter does for really popular ones is like they'll have more copies to sell so you can buy them. I don't know when that's going to come, but we'll review it when it comes. Sure. Um, that was really good. Uh, uh, Wormwood, man. I was I, I kind of like, I wish I was there yesterday just for the holiday gift guide because I want to be like, if you want a dice box, go to Wormwood Academy. They make amazing dice boxes. I personally, you've seen it, my little hex oh, dice yeah. chest. Like I mean, it's the same it's the same Wormwood company that makes all the dice, dice exactly, boxes, Exactly, right? yeah. yeah. Um so good. Like if you want to get that nerdy someone something for Valentine's Day, I highly recommend looking into Wormwood chests. Is it so what you mean is you wish you were part of the cast where I talked about all the... The holiday gift guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You said, I wish I was there yesterday. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I know what you meant, though. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, someone made a rules book for sci-fi comes to fifth edition. Hmm. Um, I flipped through it. It's actually pretty good. It's called um, Esper Genesis. Of course um, it is. A heroic sci-fi role-playing. 5e compatible. Mm. Um, they... They did a really good job. The art is really nice too. I highly recommend looking it up. Um, I think they're kickstarting their monster manual soon because mm. this is this they had their player's handbook there. Sure. Um, I played a game called uh, Cave Paintings. Uh, it was from R and R Games. Um, it's a really fun, like Pictionary esque game. You you have a card that tells you what you have to draw, mm. but the trick is. You can only draw holding your uh, your your pen, your it's all dry erase. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to hold it in your fist, kind of like you're just like you're holding like a rod, like mm-hmm. in your fist. You you have to draw like that, so like it's not going to come out super great. And mm-hmm. then you have to get everyone has to guess what it is. Um, and uh, I really liked it. Uh, I liked it a lot. It was a really cute, fun game. Um, cave paintings, R and R games. Uh, next, I played Tack. Tack has been out for a while. Um, I want to save just my experience with that. Yeah, because like that was a really good game. Uh, that I want us to play because I it's very like because you're a big chess fan. Right, I think you'd really like Tack. Hmm. Um, 
what else? Uh, then I went to the the Act Inc. game uh, Saturday night. Jeremy mm-hmm. Crawford DM'd. They were in Ravnica. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he did an amazing job. Like, like I was, I adored his version of Ravnica. The way he uh, he explained it, the characters. Mm-hmm. It was really good. It ended on a really good cliffhanger. Where like they're trying to find a a young male dryad uh because he was the key to um getting them some MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Uh and he had run away to the circus, but the only circuses in uh Ravnica are the Rakdos circuses. Mm. So it ends with, you know, the the it ends with the 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 mage of the party was like a, a showman of sorts. So he's like doing all these kind of like tricks with prestidigitation and like thaumaturgy and then the 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 carbon barker is like all right and now on to our main event and Jeremy Crawford did uh, I recommend if you can go watch uh, uh these games they're on the Penny Arcade and probably the uh, Wizards of the Coast the, uh, YouTube channels great games uh he did great voices um he says and now on to our main event please bring out uh you know and then they bring out the young dryad and he's chained up and he's like all right let the sacrifice begin. And then it ends at that point because, you know, Rakdos is all like, ah, <laughs> I thought that was really fun. Uh, great game, great players, uh, great moments. Um, and then uh, Saturday night was also a shadow council meetup. Uh, we all went to uh, the, there's a bar in the, in the hotel and we mm. all kind of hung out just like chatted. It was really good. Mm. Um, Amy Falcone, of the C team and also actually the main game now showed up uh, to talk to people. It was, she was really nice. I actually follow her on Twitch. She's really good. She does a good draw. I recommend it. Mm. Um, next Sunday was a short day for me. Usually it always is cause I'm very tired. I'm usually suffering from some kind of sinus, something or other by the end of the weekend. So Post-con sickness. <laughs> it's really just like, I, I don't do well. I don't sleep well in hotel rooms mm-hmm. and it really just affect it messes up my sinuses. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, uh, the, I had to watch the C team game. It was, thankfully it was like, it was like 11 o'clock, uh, was a wonderful Christmas theme game. Uh, is uh, and they all came out in like costume, which was really nice. Mm. Uh, and yeah, uh, that was pretty much my pa- uh, my Pax Unplugged experience. Awesome, dude. Yeah. Um, like really- I said, I know you can all hear it in his voice, <laughs> but part of what made this great for me was just watching the entertainment and joy in Jangus' eyes <laughs> as he recounted his experience. Yeah. Once again, Pax Unplugged, my favorite con. Of all the cons I've been to. Right. And I would say, if you get a chance, if you're a fan of board games, if you're a fan of card games, if you're a fan of uh, tabletop, if you're a fan of uh, Warhammer, they have it all. Anything that's unplugged, <laughs> go for it. It's it's great. Yeah. 100%. Awesome. Uh, so, I guess. Yeah. That, so, <laughs> I mean, go to PAX Unplugged if you can when next year rolls around. In the meantime, um, Jengus will make sure um, that he posts all of the photos that he has to his OmniGeek Instagram. It's true. As well as on our YSMPG media. You'll find it all there. Um, and additionally, you can find a bunch of links to most of these games in the show notes, uh, which you can find below your podcast. Uh, I think that pretty much 
wraps it up. I would say so. Yeah. Look forward, as I said, to episode 36, our three-year anniversary, in which we will do the second annual Golden Dengue Awards <laughs> for uh, all these different games that we've played and talked about over the past year. And you'll hear from us. Oh, also as a small side note, I just kickstarted a game myself I told Jenks about. A game called uh, The Tainted Grail. Um and uh, has Avalon in there somewhere as well, too. Should be a good game. The fall of Avalon. Fall of Avalon. Um, I, like, backed the hell out of it, and I'm going to get, like, eight different expansions and seven different player packs, and it's just so many things. All of the things. Anyway, uh, look forward to our three-year anniversary and keep up with us as we go on to year four. Indeed. Uh, as always, we're open to suggestions. Uh, changes might be made. Who knows? Maybe we'll change the formula up with episode 37. Well, maybe it won't just be magic D&D and tabletop in that order. Maybe we'll go tabletop D&D and then magic. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it crazy. That way you, you don't have to skip the whole beginning. You can just skip. <laughs> maybe we'll just talk about whatever comes from our minds on those topics yeah. rather than being so rigid. Biodigital jazz, man. Yeah, electric dynamite. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. If you liked this episode of You Shall Not Pass Go, please subscribe. Our episodes are monthly, and you can find this and many more podcasts on DK.com. If you'd like to share your opinions about the topics of the episode, or you just want to say hi, email us at ysnpgcast at gmail.com.